Welcome back, everybody, to the Center of College Football. I'm your host, Jeffrey Calhoun, recording, as always, from the Center of College Football, Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, today, we're going to talk about one of the saddest programs, in my opinion, in college football, in the UConn Huskies. So, let's take a quick recap of UConn season. They surprised me quite a bit. They had twice as many wins as I thought they were going to have. Instead of having the one win that I thought they'd have, they had two. Yeah. Goes to show you, I expected them to beat Wagner, and that was it. And they beat UMass as well. I mean, this team is disappointing. And it's not, I mean, and even with Wagner, they beat them by three, and Wagner's not even a good FCS program. Wagner had one win last year against LIU. I don't even know where that is. I mean, they had a couple close games here and there. They one-score game against Houston, one-score game against East Carolina, but even then, if they won both those games. They're still only sitting at 4-8, and eight, which is not good, especially being in a group of five conference. Granted, it is the American, which is easily the best group of five conference, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, this team... Their offensive line play last year, besides Matt Parrott, from what I saw, wasn't great. They couldn't really put up a lot of points. I mean, the only game where they scored more than 25 points was against UMass, and UMass is a joke. I mean, UMass beat Akron, and that was it. They got blown out by Southern Illinois. But this is UMass's episode. This is about UConn. And... They didn't have much of a defense either. I mean, the least they let a team score in a game was 21 points in their matchup against Wagner. And against FBS opponents, the least they let someone score was 22 against South Florida, which South Florida was a terrible team last year, and you still lost to them by 26. Four-score game, that's insane. So... Taking a look at this team next year, they do the one th- the one thing they have going for them for next year is they do have decent returning production. They're 49th in the nation, and a lot of their skill positions are coming back, which will be nice, I guess. But <sighs> you return garbage, you're not gonna be very good. And I'm not saying all these players are garbage. I'm just saying the recruiting at the school isn't great, which I mean, I understand you're a smaller program, but you also are the only football program in your state. I'm aware Connecticut's a small state, but there's not a ton around you either. I mean, you got Penn, you got Penn State, Pitt, and Boston College. That's really it that's super close to you. Maybe Syracuse, but Syracuse, from what I've seen, isn't the best recruiter. I mean, I don't understand it. Um, but looking at the returning production, first off is quarterback Jack uh, Zergiotis, uh, he was a little subpar, honestly, from what I've seen, um, 1,700 yards throughout the year, not bad, 57% completion percentage, and eh, the, the big kicker for him, though, is his touchdown and interception rate is awful, um, he had nine touchdowns to 11 interceptions, 11 interceptions. Having half as many interceptions 
that his touchdowns is bad enough, but more is terrible. And it's not like this is one of these guys that looks misleading where he's a great rusher. He had negative 46 yards rushing last year. So he, I, I mean, he's a freshman and I, I hope that he can get some more experience, but the way this program's run, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go off on my mini tangent that I wanted to talk about. You know, I was watching Strong Opinion Sports, great channel, um, and the, the host said, and I completely agree, UConn doesn't care about its football program at all. At all. Which I don't understand because, I mean, football is easily the most important sport in any college program. It is the only sport that really makes money. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get some money from basketball if you're really, really good. But usually it's just football. And due to this virus, UConn has had to shut down eight of its 24 programs. 33% of its sports programs are gone. And I don't understand the move to the Big East. I mean, yes, the Big East is a phenomenal basketball, phenomenal basketball conference. I'll, I'll, I'll say that Xavier's great. Creighton's always pretty dang good. Seton Hall... But it doesn't host football, and the AAC isn't a terrible basketball conference. I mean, if we're being honest, it's not amazing by any standards, but it's not terrible. And I just don't understand the move, because you were in a solid conference, and while, yes, the competition was hard, and even then, if you're going to leave, I don't understand why you're going independent. Do what Idaho did and move down to the FCS. UConn might be able to have some decent success in the FCS. Um, you know, it takes some time, but I think they'd be able to break 500 every year if they were in the FCS. I mean, I just don't get this. Um, moving on with returning production, probably their best player returning is their running back, uh, Kevin Mensa. Not a big dude, um, 5'9", 200 pounds, but usually those small running backs can be pretty good. He broke 1,000 yards rushing, 9 touchdowns, 4.5 yards on average. Not terrible on 200 attempts. I mean, it, it's good to have a good running back coming back, especially with um, Art Tompkins, their other running back, leaving. He's probably uh, is going to get a lot more attempts on running the ball here. Which I think will be good because I, I again I do think he is easily the best player returning for this team. Next up is their wide receiver Cameron Ross. Pretty decent. Uh, only had sixty receptions, but he did pretty okay with that. He had four touchdowns, twelve yards on average, seven hundred yards. Not terrible. And with um, Ardell Brown their wide receiver leaving, and Cameron Ross, Cameron Ross was the leading receiver last year, but I think that losing Ardell Brown, their second, will get him a few more touches and receptions. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then next up is their tight end, Jay Rose. Another pretty solid player. He only had about 27 receptions, he ended up getting about 200 yards, uh, two touchdowns. I mean, with, with a tight end, you don't expect to have, you know, massive plays. But again, with these rec um, receivers coming back, it's, it's, it's good to have returning production, especially this year. And with a program this terrible, it's really good. 
And then finally is their defensive back, Diamond Harrell. Diamond Harrell wasn't great. Uh, he, two interceptions, 29 tackles, a forced fumble and a pass deflection. Not great, but again, really whatever you got coming back, you need. I mean, I'm he, he led the team in interceptions. I know two isn't a lot, but I mean, again, with UConn, you got to get whatever you can get. Now, moving on to the losses side, easily, without a doubt, their biggest loss is their offensive lineman, Matt Parrott. Now, I, if you've listened to this show, you know that I'm very, very bad with uh, analyzing offensive line and offensive line play. But I saw this guy play. He was pretty solid, taken 99th overall, third-round pick by the New York Giants. And he really was one of the few good players on that offensive line. That, that line couldn't block. There were one, maybe two players that I saw that were decent. And uh, Parrot's gonna be a big loss. I mean, he's the only he's the only UConn player taken this year, and the third UConn player taken since 2016. And if you have a player good enough that's gonna be taken in the draft, that's a huge loss, especially when you're this this bad of a program. I know I've said that like 80 times, but I just um. And then another. You know, moving on to the receiving core for the losses is Ardell Brown that I alluded to before. Another, you know, he was, again, the second leading receiver. And he had 368 yards, a couple touchdowns. We only had 27 receptions, and he got 13.6 yards on average. One thing I'm really noticing, I noticed this with TCU in the last episode, these guys have decent average yard average yards per reception but they can't find the end zone the team's red zone efficiency does not look good at all and that's one thing that is difficult uh and then another big loss is their running back art tompkins he was the second leading rusher had 98 attempts nowhere near as much as kevin mensa but he put together about 500 yards but again he only had two touchdowns that's why i i mean this team's red zone efficiency is terrible and i i can't seem to get past that and i think that is one thing they very much need to work on and i think the offensive line is a big piece of that because they can't really go anywhere if they don't have good blocking and matt parrot again is going to be a major major loss easily the biggest loss and then they have a defensive back, Tyler Doyle, Coyle, sorry, that is transferring. Uh, the announcement of where he's transferring hasn't come out yet, but he had 54 tackles, an interception, and 10 pass deflections. And that is, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but for this team, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. He had 86 tackles, 54 of them were solo. And losing a player that good for this team is is tough it's really tough because you don't know where he's gonna go i mean he could come back you know he's in the transfer portal right now so he could he could come back but i don't see a lot of players that go into the transfer portal and come back out so looking at the recruiting class 
it's not good. You know, you usually don't see good recruiting classes with smaller programs like this, but it's 118th in the, in the nation, which is just awful. And, you know, there are some FCS programs that are really close to them in recruiting numbers. I mean, you know, they're, again, 118th. They got 21 three stars. They don't have any four or five stars. And to put it in perspective, Princeton's 123rd. Five ranks below them. Eastern Washington's 128. You got two FCS programs within 10 of you. That doesn't look good. That doesn't bode well for your program. So, and looking at their recruiting class, you know, the big thing I wanted to see was do they have good offensive linemen coming in? And they really don't. Uh, the highest ranked offensive tackle they have coming in is Alex Wyans. Three-star recruit, 0.8162. Not a bad addition. And they also have Christopher Fortin, another three-star. But we'll have to see how this team does because the recruiting's low. They lose their best player. And, you know, I, I just don't know. I mean, moving on, taking a look at their schedule. They are lucky because they do have some pretty easy games on here. But on the other hand, they play more Power 5 teams than any group of five team. I know that UConn's technically an independent. Not technically, they are an independent. But they're one of the independent teams that really qualify as a group of five team. And they have five Power 5 opponents, three in a row. They play at Illinois, at Virginia, Indiana, and then a couple weeks later they play at Ole Miss, and then... Where was the other one? Is it only four? No, they play at North Carolina. They play at North Carolina. And Illinois, Virginia, and Indiana are all in a row. So looking at the schedule, they start out, you know, we'll go game by game because I, I like doing that more. I think that works better. Starting off week one, UMass. Okay, UMass has terrible returning production. You beat UMass last year by 21 points. I don't know how the hell that happened. And it's at home. You had them on the road last year, and you still won by 21. So I give, I have them starting out 1-0. And at Illinois, at Virginia, Indiana, just they're losing all three of those because those are Power 5 teams. Those are decent Power 5 teams. I mean, Illinois was 6-7 and seven last year. Virginia went 9-5, and five, and Indiana went 8-5. and five. So those are all decent programs. Then they got Old Dominion. Okay, this is a kind of – this is a 50-50 game for me. But uh, the I give – UConn the win here for two reasons one it's at home and most of these 50 50 games I like the home field advantage I know that this year home field advantage might not be as important but I still want to take it into major consideration and second Old Dominion has been getting worse every single year since I think it was 2016 they had a 10 win season they won they went 10 and 3 in 2016 yes and then they went Five and seven in 2017, and then four and eight in 2018. Had that upset against Virginia Tech, and then they had one win last year against Norfolk State. They haven't won a game since August 31st of last year. I see them getting worse. Their returning production's high, yes, but again, you return garbage, you're gonna get garbage. And I know that's a little harsh, and I'm not saying these players are garbage, but what I am saying is. They're, they're coded into a system. These players are programmed into a system that 
isn't that good. And so that's what I'm saying. And then the following week, they have FCS opponent Maine. And honestly, I could see Maine winning, but UConn's got them at home. They Maine was a decent program last year. They went 6-6. Six and six. Um, and UConn's got a bye week after them. So I think they'll win that. They'll start at 3-3. Three and three. And then they got Ole Miss on the road. That's a loss. Liberty at home. Liberty's a decent program. They went 8-5 and five last year. I know that their wins weren't super quality outside of Buffalo and Georgia Southern. But this team's getting better. So they're going to lose to Liberty uh, at the road at North Carolina. That's just, yeah, we're not, yeah. Um, on the road at San Jose State, that's going to be a loss. San Jose State was a lot better than I think a lot of people expected last year. Went 5-7, and seven, beat Arkansas. So... And then they have Middle Tennessee at home. This um, is another 50-50 game. But I think that UConn gets a bit of an edge because they got them at home again. Middle Tennessee, they had decent returning production. Um, but they were really bad last year. And they're going to be hungry for a win. I mean, at this point, they wouldn't have won a game since October 10th. And it's November 21st at this point. So I think they'll pick up that win and then they lose at home to Army. Because I know Army wasn't that good last year, but Army is still just a way better program. So they finished the year 4-8. and eight. So that's a pretty, for this team, a pretty solid jump. And I know I keep rambling about how awful this program is, but it makes me sad, honestly. I mean, especially for the players, because these are, these are kids that want to play. And there are programs out there that are bad. But they care about football. I mean, I think Nebraska is the prime example. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2015. But you can tell that this program cares about football. They will do anything to try to win. South Florida, I think, is another one. Went 4-8 and eight last year, but they care. They want their team to win. But UConn, I don't think, does. And going back to strong opinion sports, it's not if the coach wants to care. It's if the athletic director wants to care. And I'm not sure if they really want to. So, 4-8 and is my prediction. Honestly, I think that might be a little high. Uh, I could see them. I think 4-8 and is the ceiling for them. And I don't think they'll get much better than that, but I give that to them. I think the floor for them is 1-11. Uh, I, I think UMass is a definite win. But, honestly, Old Dominion, Maine, and Middle Tennessee are all 50-50 games. So, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah. With that, I am your host, Jeffrey Calhoun, recording, as always, from the center of college football, signing out.